You know, it's back to school season, and uh, I don't know about you, but when I uh, grew up, I always enjoyed the back to school shopping. It was always nice to get new crayons, new school supplies, and I had to do that for my son Enoch past few weeks, uh, and he enjoys it. You know, he always picks out things that he says he needs, but we know he does not really need, you know, because you already have, you know, 50,000 erasers, right? You don't need another one, right? But you know, there's one item that's increased in popularity this year that I never uh, even considered having when I grew up as a kid. And this item saw sales increase over 300% within the past year. And this special new back-to-school item is the new bulletproof backpack. It's a new reality that a lot of parents are not only considering, many are buying, though it costs quite a bit. One parent who bought it said, at the end of the day, the reason why I invested into this product was because I want my son to be able to come home from school. Man, we live in a new reality today, don't we? A world of fear. Uh, Our childhoods growing up, I think we can categorize we grew up in a similar culture, uh, especially because The culture that I see that my son is growing up in is very different. You know, playdates is the norm, right? Very monitored, specified time, you know, with supervision, who plays together, how they play together, how long they play together. That's that's the norm today. Uh, But when I grew up, you know, it was like, you know, bye mom and dad, you know, and they don't know where we are for the next several hours. We come back either for dinner or before dark, and that was normative. That was normal. Uh, But we can't even risk that. In this day and age, so many things have changed, and along with that, so many fears have increased in our new reality, in our world. There are many reasons to fear in our world today, not only with the guns, which is happening far too often, the shootings, there's germs, terror, earthquakes. We live in a world filled with fear, but as a people of faith, how are we to respond Right? Do we also cower in fear? Do we also respond with just trying to hide ourselves from the rest of the world? How are we to live by faith in a world surrounded by fears? Is there a guide for us? There is. And our passage for today is a very good guide for us. Our main passage for today will be found in Psalm chapter 46. So if you do have your Bibles, you could follow along with me in that passage. You can open up there, but also you could follow along with me in the outlines that's been provided for you as well. So how do we live by faith in a world of fear? And I want to highlight a few things that we learn in this passage, and I hope it could be a good source of faith feeding for you today. First thing that we learn in this passage is that in this world of fear and chaos, how do we live? First of all, we need to remember the presence of God. We need to remember the presence of God. Look at Psalm chapter 46, starting from verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. When struggling with fear, this passage is reminding us that we need to know that God is near. 
because his presence brings with it peace for his people. His name to us is Emmanuel, God with us. And God, being the good father, the perfect father, understands that for children, the presence of the father is a source of strength and peace for that child. Even for my son Enoch, who's seven years old, still, when he's in a new environment meeting new people, he gets intimidated, he gets scared, he runs to mommy or daddy, and he usually tries to climb under our clothes, right? He tries to be as close to us as possible. Why? Because he knows that the presence of mommy or daddy is a source of peace in the midst of uncertainty in his life. And God, the Father, knows that for us as well, that he needs to reassure us that his presence is near when we are filled with fear. You see, in the Old Covenant, God manifested or showed signs of his presence in different ways. As the Israelites were crossing through the desert, he manifested his presence as a pillar of cloud by day, providing shade and shelter, but also a pillar of fire by night, providing guidance, warmth, direction. Also in the Old Covenant, his presence was symbolized and manifest through the Ark of the Covenant so that they knew where the Ark was also, it was a reminder, a visible reminder that the presence of God is with his people. But in the New Covenant, after Christ came, died, rose again, he gifted us with something even better, himself, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the first gifts that he gives to us when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior is the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell with us and to be the seal of our salvation and redemption. He wanted for us to know. He doesn't want us just to see his presence. He wants us to know that we are with him and he is with us forever. That is the goodness of our Father. And why does he do that? Because he, we are now walking by faith, not by sights. And he reminds us in Scripture over and over again, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, declares the Lord. He knows that as children, we do grow in fear. And he wants to reassure us that his presence is always near us. He is a good father. And this passage also tells us that he is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And his presence is strong. You know, when I um, first moved to Korea to pastor, I pastored there for a total of about 12 years. Uh, friends warned me that during the summer months, especially like around now, about, you know, August, late August, things like that, early September, they have the monsoon season, which is a lot of heavy rains. And so, you know, they would tell me, make sure you always carry an umbrella. And I don't like carrying umbrellas. So I, I bought this really small one that I could fit into my pocket. So I was like, that's, that's fine. And so my first monsoon season, you know, all of a sudden it's starting to rain and, you know, the winds are gusting and strong. And so I take out my small umbrella and that did not last me very long because suddenly the the umbrella bent and it was no longer in use. And the other thing that I realized is, man, um, I don't think any umbrella would really work because, because of the winds and the rain, it, became, it was parallel to the ground, you know? And so the winds and the rain is running. So even if I had an umbrella, everything is still wet, soaking wet. 
And so I still remember when I'm trying to get to, you know, the bus stop or the subway stop and my umbrella is no longer of any use. I would be hiding under cover of a building, an office building, and I'd be trying to time when I could run and sprint to the next cafe, and that is how I went around. You see, that became a symbol of the refuge that I'm looking for. I needed something bigger than my umbrella and something stronger than the winds and the rain. And that picture of a refuge is who God is for us, that he is bigger than any problems we will come across, and he is stronger than anything that opposes us in this world. He is greater. He is stronger. Amen? You see, he is more than able to cover you and protect you from all the attacks of the enemy. He says in verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake from their surging. God is saying to us today, through this passage, there is nothing on this earth that can separate me from you. There is no disaster that can pull you away from me. No terrorist attack can separate you from God. No natural disaster, no gunfire, even if nuclear war broke out, even if we were under the rubble of the towers of 9-11, we would still be in the presence of Almighty God. As Romans reminds us that there is neither death nor life, neither the angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation that is able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. You see, throughout Scripture, God tells us over and over again, do not fear, and the reason he gives is because his presence is here. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. <clears throat> For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The reason he gives on why his people do not need to fear is he is reminding them, God Almighty is with you always. And with that presence brings peace. You know, for uh, most of my upbringing throughout college, until college, I grew up in Chicago. And if you grew up in the Midwest, you also grew up with a lot of thunderstorms that were really loud. And as a little kid, uh, it could be very frightening when the thunder and the lightning strikes and your you know, house shakes. It could be intimidating for a little kid. And so I still remember a lot of times when that would happen at night, I'd wake up, be scared, and I'd run to my parents' bed, and I would sleep there. And my dad didn't always appreciate that, so he would bring me back to my bed. And then, it, you know, thunder comes again, and I run back. And so I think he got tired of it, so he started to teach me theology as a result. You know, um, so one time he carried me back to my bed, and as I'm lying down, he's like, Eddie, are you scared? He's like, yeah, I'm scared of the thunder. He's like, you know what, you don't have to be scared. You need to remember, all you have to do is just close your eyes and pray because God is here right now. 
And you know, that was a very enlightening moment for me. As a little kid, I think it was, I was second or third grade or something, and then because he was teaching me one of the most important lessons of faith, and that is an awareness of the presence of God, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere. And literally from that point on, I never ran back to my father's, my parents' bedroom because he was teaching me that God was with me and he was the source of my comfort and strength. And so, again, I don't know the motive of why he did that, and I'm, so, I'm sure he was very glad that I never went back to the bed, but it was something that impacted me for the rest of my life, a reminder that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is with us always to the very end. So are you fearful of tomorrow? Be reminded that God is here. God is with you. Are you fearful of the doctor's test results that you're awaiting in the coming days? God is here. He knows. He cares. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You are not forgotten. He will walk with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the significance of that rod and staff? Yeah, it's a source of defense the shepherd uses to defend the sheep, but also when it's foggy, when it's dark, when the sheep cannot see the shepherd, the shepherd would tap that rod so that through that tapping, the sheep would know my shepherd is nearby. And for us as well, when it's dark, when we cannot see what is happening, when we cannot see why it is happening, it is the tapping of the Holy Spirit reminding us He is here. You are never forsaken. You are never abandoned by our good God. Amen. So remembering His presence is the first step towards peace in a world of fear. But there's another thing that will help us to live by faith in a world of fear, and that is to remember the power of God. To remember the power of God. God is not only with us, He is stronger than anything that come our way. Look at Psalm 46, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. You see, in the midst of chaos, Jesus is the calm. Verse 5 and 6. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. It is a reminder that there's no political situation in this world where our God does not reign over. Christ rules and reigns over all the nations, over Russia, over Hong Kong, over Texas, over Gilroy. Every country, every city, Christ is king. When he lifts his voice, the nations will melt 
before him. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is the Lord of hosts, the God most high. El Elyon. Again, another reason why we meditate on his names that he reveals. It feeds our faith to know who he is, his ability, his character, his power, his goodness. Does this mean that we will never face danger in this life? No, we will. But he has the power to protect us in this life. But even more than that, he has the promise and the power in our lives to protect us for all of eternity. Look at verse 4 again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. There is a glorious city that will welcome us home. It is a beautiful city. It is the city of God. It is the place where there will be no more pain, no more shame, no more war, no more suffering. And until that day, we must live our lives with faith and courage. Remembering the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Our God is mighty to save. He is our Savior for eternity. And he is preparing a glorious home, a glorious city for his people when he returns. Will you be in that city? Will you dwell in that city? Will that be your home? You know, John and Betty Stam, they were martyrs who died in China as missionaries. And as they were released from prison to their execution chambers, a fellow prisoner called out, say, where are you going? To which John replied, I don't know where the guards are going, but I know where we're going. We're going home today. They had no fear of execution because they're they knew their souls were protected for eternity. You see, as a people of faith, if you have placed your trust in Christ, we of all people on all this planet should be a people who do not fear death. Why? Because we understand what death truly is and that that power has been destroyed through the resurrection of Jesus. We know that death now for us is simply a doorway into glory. Do you realize that? We, of all people, do not need to fear death because the moment we die, we enter our eternal home with Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 8, we see an episode when the disciples were also filled with fear for their lives. They were on a boat. Suddenly it hit a storm on top of that. Jesus was sleeping. And so they wake him. And I love what they say. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? That's so like the disciples. That's so like us. When the storms rage in our world, when the darkness covers our lives, don't we also cry out to God, don't you care about me? 
And I love, let's look at how Jesus responds in Matthew 8, 26 and following. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled. It's actually a plan word, almost as if now they're, they're fear, they were fearful of the winds and waves, and now they're fearful of Jesus, saying, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? He says, why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? He shows that there is a direct correlation between fearing the world and lack of faith in God. Because when we are fearful in the world, when we are fearful of the world, like the rest of the world, we are responding just like the world who does not know the power of Almighty God. You see, fear for this world shows a lack of faith in God. But at the end of verse 27, again it says, they marveled or they were fearful of Christ. Who is this? What kind of person is this that even the winds and waves obey him? Do you know what kind of person Jesus is? Do you know who this is? Do you know him? Do you know the one who with one word says, see, and the blind see? Or with two words, Lazarus, come, and the dead are raised. The one who made the planets and the one who sustains your pulse has power over everything. So to know him is to fear him. That is the proper fear to have in this world. You know, sometimes I think it's not that we fear too much in this world. It's that we fear too little. Our fear is too little of God Almighty and his power. If the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, how much wisdom do we have? We fear offending people because we believe in the gospel. We fear offending people because of political correctness. We fear offending people if we tell people that Jesus is the only way to salvation. So we do have a lot of fear. But it's the wrong fear. Do we fear for their souls? Facing judgment? Do we fear the outcome of their souls for all of eternity? Do we understand the depths of Paul's words when he declares that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it holds the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes? You see, fear will fade as we meditate on the power of God that is greater than everything in our lives. All power, all authority belongs to Jesus, and at the name of Jesus, demons flee. At the name of Jesus, there will be the bending of every knee. 
You know, I've seen um, throughout my 25 years of pastoring, I've been on a lot of mission trips. I've been all over the world, throughout Africa, Middle East, Southeast Asia, just all over the place. I've been a part of so many mission trips where also we encountered extremely heightened spiritual activity in the forms of people getting possessed, oppressed by demonic activity. I've seen uh, little, frail girls who normally you could pick up with one arm because of the demonic activity that's happening inside of her. Like seven men could not carry her. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen on the mission field. And through it all, especially because of this heightened activity that I've encountered, I've gained more and more conviction that Jesus is the only way. And it is because through these experiences, I realize there is clearly a spiritual realm that we cannot see. I've also learned that there is a spiritual darkness in that spiritual realm. But the most important lesson I learned in all of this is that in all of these heightened instances of spiritual activity, the name of Jesus strikes fear into every dark spirit. And I've learned that it is at the name of Jesus demons flee because they know Christ is king and reigns and rules in all authority over this whole creation. No other name has the power to set people free. The name of Jesus. There's a third thing that will help us live by faith in a world of fear. We need to remember the presence of God that goes with us. We need to remember the power of God that is greater than anything we will ever face in this world. And we need to remember, third thing, the providence of God who rules by his sovereign hand over all the events of our lives. Remember the providence of God. Psalm 46, 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. It is declaring that though you see chaos and wars break out, at one word of the Lord, they stop. That he is sovereign over all things. But we need to take a step back and also realize as a people of faith that we need to understand that there is a sovereign God, but also there's mystery in God's sovereignty. Why? Because there is an intellectual gap between when I need to discipline my son, he does not understand why. He can't, why dad, why can't I eat chocolate for every meal? He does not understand the logic of that. He does not understand why he can't stay up as long as he wants. So for the time being, there's an intellectual gap. He does not understand the ways that we operate in his life many times. There's an intellectual gap between when my son interacts with animals, steps on ants, these 
ants and insects can't understand the ways of this human boy crushing their homes. There's a gap. And there is an infinite intellectual gap between God Almighty in His wisdom that is orchestrating every event of all of creation that is culminating to His glorious return of redemption and our finite minds that cannot understand His ways all the time. So there needs to be a room of faith. And this passage is reminding us that He is sovereign and we can trust in Him. He makes wars cease. The world is not spinning out of control. He knows the end. He knows the last chapter and He will bring all the nations to bow before Him. Therefore, verse 10 says, therefore in the midst of all of this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still, realize, reflect who God is. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts, the great and mighty one, the great I am, is also our Emmanuel, the strong and mighty God who is with us forever. Look at verse 4 again. I think this is an important part of remembering the end of all things in his sovereign hand. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I want to take a closer look at the city that will be our home. For all those who trust in him. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 says this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. The Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. And the king of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will not, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God Almighty will give them light, and they will reign with him forever. And ever. What an amazing picture of triumph for those of us who are in Christ. It is a picture that is certain for all who are in Christ. This world may look like it's in chaos, but our God is still in control. Therefore, we trust in Him. 
Proverbs 16:33. The lot is the cast is uh, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 21:1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That is our awesome sovereign God. You know, one story that always encourages me about the sovereignty of God is a story I heard from Ravi Zacharias. Um, This is back right at the end of the Vietnam War, and he was invited to do ministry there. Uh, A lot of people advised against it because it was still very unstable. A lot of uncertainties. There are still a lot of hostile regions and areas there, especially towards foreigners and especially towards Americans. And so people all said, maybe it's not the right time, but he prayed about it and he felt like it was uh, something that he needed to do. So he went with his team. Uh, you know, they rented a be- van and the host and people kept reminding, please do not draw attention to yourselves. Because again, there's a lot of hostile activity in groups here. And so as they were there for a, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, they could hear gunshots in the distance. They could still feel the tension in that nation. And so they're finishing up their uh, ministry time there and they're heading back to the airport. But then suddenly, out of the blue, the van just stopped. The engine stopped working. And they were getting nervous. Because, again, with each car that's driving by, they don't know who's driving by. Uh, If they're friendly, if they're hostile, all these things. So as cars kept coming, as their vans been pulled, you know, stopped at the side of the road, they're getting more and more nervous. So they do what all Christians would do. They pray, right? They pray for the van. They pray over the engine. Nothing. And suddenly they hear another, uh, the sound of another vehicle coming, but this time there was like music. And as it's getting closer, it sounded like American songs, you know, American music. And so it's getting closer. They try to, you know, say, wave over the van, say, hey, hey, stop for us. We need some help. We're Americans too and all stuff like that. The van slowly, you know, stops a little bit slowly but looks over and then they just say, sorry, you know, we're, we're freaked out too. So they just drive by. And again, they do what all Christians would do. They curse them and say, we're jerks and us, you know. <laughs> Then after about another hour, um, just as suddenly the van stopped, suddenly the engine started again. So they're relieved. They get in and they head towards the airport. But as they're there, about uh, 20, 30 minutes later, they see that van that just passed them not too long ago, but it's kind of at the side, you know, at the ditch. And so they slowly drive by. The radio's still going, but it's at an awkward angle. So as they stop next to it, they see bullet holes filled to the van. And that's when it recurred to them that if their van had not stopped, that could have easily have been their van. And it made them realize they were complaining about the van's engine that stopped. They were complaining about this delay But then they realized that there was a sovereignty even within that delay. This world is not in chaos. What scripture shows us is that history is not random. Our lives are not made of unrelated events. Life is made up of divinely decreed moments written out by the hand of God Almighty. Every bullet, every flat tire, 
every nuclear threat, every earthquake, every death, every single moment in our lives. Every second is under the careful watch and under the sovereign hand of a mighty God. There is purpose. There is order. There is a plan behind it all, and he is in control. And his character is good, it is kind, it is loving. And even when things don't turn out the way they should, God can use it for our good and for his glory. And even your presence here today, you are not here by accident. God has a clear message for you today and he wants to remind you that he does know the fears, the worries of your heart and he does care and he wants you to know that he is here because he cares, that he is good, he is sovereign and you can trust him. Amen.